Hello, everybody. It's Keith. Help support the Northeast scene and declare yourself a member today. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast medium of choice. Rate us and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It has every podcast episode plus other exclusive content. Like and leave a comment. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TheNEScene. Also, continue to write us at NortheastScene at gmail.com. We want to share your experiences as well. And now, here's the show. Every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it. So that means that every single day that you see me, that's on the worst day of my life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. And we're back once again. I mean, why wouldn't we be? This is all we do. This is it. (laughs) Well, that's not true. Tommy has a lovely family, and I sleep sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally. Yeah, you know. No, I sleep a lot more these days, actually. But listen, I digress. This week on the show, very special guest. All else failed. We've got three-fifths of the band. Luke Muir, Steve Wigand, Pat Shannon, and we talk about the upcoming vinyl first-time release of This Never Happened, their seminal 2004 LP. We talk about history of the band, and we we work through some difficulties, uh... About a certain something. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, keep it vague. Keep it vague. Yeah, which you'll hear about, but we, we may have pushed some things along, and that's good. It was just a wonderful conversation, and it was a stunning revelation that we realized as we talked to the boys. And you'll hear about that, too. I'm going to tease you right now and, and uh, whet your appetite for the conversation. going to be excellent. You're going to love it. I'm excited. They're just one of my favorite bands. Like I just, I, I love them. I, I love hearing them. I love seeing seeing them live. They're in, they're my either. I can't put them in an exact place, but they're they're one or two in terms yeah. of live music. They are such a, an amazing live band. Yeah, they have to be my favorite live band because I travel distances to see them, even on work nights, and I go crazy crazier than any other band when i see them so they have to be my favorite live band right i think it's also become kind of like a a thing where you and i have always kind of just met up at shows like that like at all else failed show like as soon as they're playing it's like all right well we're going yeah (laughs) i'll see you there (laughs) if you think about it they're tied into the legacy of this podcast because we conceived the idea at an all else failed show and Pat was the second guest on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. What a great day that was. I still think back. Do you ever have those moments where you just kind of think back on something and, and realize um, how pivotal it actually all was? <laughs> like, and you realize, like, this was something that, uh, you know, we were going to just do, like, four episodes of, and we didn't really know where it was going. And it's like, here we are, 70-some-odd episodes later, and it all started with, a hotel room i think it's crazy i always think about the night before i got there friday night and i was setting everything up 
and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I've never recorded anything. This isn't going to sound good. I'm not going to be able to do this. And I, I just wanted to chicken out and stop the whole thing. And then I didn't. And we got through, we recorded four episodes in one day. And then you left and I just laid there. I just laid on a couch staring at the ceiling. It was exhausting. Recording one episode of this show is exhausting. And so imagine four in a row. That's crazy. <laughs> you bring this up from time to time, but it's always funny. It's like, if we ever had to do a live show again, like that kind of like recording where we're actually in person again, you don't know how to set the mics up anymore, do you? <laughs> I didn't know how to do it then. <laughs> the only complaint we've ever gotten about this show was that the the uh, sound quality was not the best for the first four episodes yeah. because people weren't talking on mic. So, you know, my voice is loud and everyone else's isn't. And Richie wasn't mixing the show for us back then. I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to set it all up. It would be too much pressure. And I, I would be afraid that we would not have the same quality we have now. Oh, yeah. So, Tommy, it's July 5th now. July 4th weekend is over. How did it go? What did you do? Not much. Uh, we really just hung around the house. Uh, it was great. Got a lot of work done. I've been tutoring recently, so I got some tutoring materials prepped up, cleaned the house. That's about it. I mean, we walked down the, where I live, like at the end of my street is uh, two large, like there's a grade school and a middle school and they have, they share a whole set of fields in between them. So uh, it's a very popular place for people to do fireworks. So it was really nice last night. Um, we walked to the end of the block and literally just set up our chairs on our neighbor's lawn and watched the fireworks. And it was unbelievable. Like I, I, I kind of always look at that and go like, I can't believe people spend this much money (laughs) on fireworks. (laughs) It was like, and it's not like the town, it's not like the town doing it. Like these are just like local people that just go and put them all together and do it themselves. Um, so it was really kind of like the girls were like, are they almost done? I'm like, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think they're done when they run out. <laughs> well, no, that sounds nice. Fireworks, fireworks and hot dogs. That's about it. I, I heard a bunch of fireworks outside my apartment, but I didn't go look at them or anything. I don't know. I was, I was just kind of laying in bed. I was exhausted because, uh, we recorded and then I met up with a friend in Manhattan and, they're part of this community garden, so they uh, grilled food, and everyone just hung out. So I was there for a few hours, and then I came home. It was nice to just sit and do nothing. I love that. I, I really do like that. That's one of the best things. It's one of the things that when people ask me about, like, you know, why did I become a teacher? You can go into all those, like, real, like, moralistic or ethical kind of... Look, having two months off in the summer is fucking awesome. (laughs) so much fun. It it really is so much fun. Speaking of having two months off in the summer, Howard Stern snuck in that he's taking summers off now. Oh, get out. So he's off from July till September. Jesus. Yeah. And he still makes ridiculous money, right? Half a billion dollars? Was that, that, Was that contract? You know, I I still listen to the show all the time, but for some reason I don't really care. You know? Like people are really upset, but I don't know. I just I just don't really care. I was gonna say, when you listen to the show, do you like actively listen to it or is it kind of something you just throw on and have it on in the background? I would say uh like a mixture, maybe? I would say both. Okay. Yeah, like I, I used to listen to every minute of every show. I skip a lot of the interviews now 
if it's someone I, I'm not particularly interested in. I like all the office drama and fighting stuff. That's my favorite. But um, yeah, I, I still listen every day. I, I don't know. I, I like it, but I'm just, I'm like the guy, what, 70 years old? He's been doing this 40 years. I don't know. Like, Is he really 70? Maybe, yeah, or close to, He's maybe. Co- yeah, rapidly approaching it, yeah. But my thought is, I don't know, he could be doing this or he could be doing nothing. So I just think about it like, I'll take what I can get. I don't, I don't feel like I'm owed a certain amount, I guess. Oh, yeah, no. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's fine. I, I, I would have just told people straight up. You know, he tried to sneak it in. He was sneaky about it. How, how did he do it? He just kind of casually mentioned it. He's like, this. Um, he just announced all this programming they're doing. So I was like, oh, when he's on vacation for two weeks, like, I guess they'll be doing all this stuff. And then I see all these news articles pop up, like, listeners are furious at Howard Stern for taking two months off in the summer. And I was like, wait a second. All that <laughs> stuff is in place of the show? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. How much is it for Sirius? Like $20 a month? I don't even know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's under $20. Yeah, but I don't know, man. That's uh, that's the way it goes. It's fine. Whatever. I got other... You know what? I have other stuff to do. That's the thing. I absolutely agree with that, but that also doesn't excuse the fact that the dude's taking three months off and people are paying. There's a lot of people that... I'm sure... Do you listen to Sirius other than Stern? Nothing. Yeah, see that... Not even one second. Yeah. Yeah, the second he retires, I'm, I'm the subscription is gone. Yeah, that seems silly. Like that's yeah. that's that seems kind of like a slap in the face to fans. I, uh, yeah, I get it, but I, I don't know. I just don't care for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because I spend most of my time on Twitch now, so I'm like, okay, I, I, you know, there's plenty of other things to to watch or listen to. So fair enough. But yeah, I don't know. Everything's good. Everything's good. I got no complaints. Isn't that nice? I'm yeah. I mean, here's the thing. That's a great place to be. <laughs> Not having anything to complain about. <laughs> I think about earlier this year when I was just in a constant state of turmoil, and now that things have stabilized, I'm enjoying it, and I'm just mentally prepping for the next thing. I think back on like right before you were taking your test, and it was like, oh god, you were working full time in a relationship prepping for this test and recording this show and editing it. <laughs> I am superhuman. I, you are unbelievable in terms of time management. I'll tell you that right now. Well, you know what? That's good to hear because sometimes, most of the time, I feel like I'm awful at it. But uh, you know what? That's why we're here, Tommy, to prop each other up to... Oh, and in, uh, in big Keith and Tommy news, we will be seeing each other for the first time since... We recorded the first four episodes of this podcast. I'll be down there in July. Tommy and I will be hanging out. We have to meet up to take care of some business. Wink, wink. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Tommy, Tommy sent me a picture of... Uh, I felt so bad. Like He told his daughters that I was coming over, so they instantly started cleaning the guest bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. like They don't have to do that. <laughs> She was like, and it was the funniest thing was like, it actually was, the bathroom needed to get cleaned anyway. We just did some work in there and I hung up some new shelves and it it needed to get dusted and it needed to get like wiped down. Um, But that just seemed to be the most opportune time was like, I kind of just said, hey, Mr. Montgomery's coming down. He needs to make sure this is clean. And she was like, I'll do it right now. Okay. okay." (laughs) 
That's a beautiful thing. Well, it's going to be fun. I, uh, it's so weird. I was talking about this with Tommy over text. We saw each other when we recorded the first four podcasts, and I have not seen him since. So he's, even though I talk to him almost every day, it's, it's sort of like he's just this guy whose voice wavelength I see through the internet. It is it is funny that like we don't even FaceTime each other or anything like that. So it's like I haven't seen you since uh that one episode where we where we used video. Do you remember that? Oh one? yeah. And I look different now. Oh yeah. I have a longer beard and I have much longer hair. Jeez, dude. I can't wait. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited, dude. It's gonna be nice. It's just gonna be nice to see. I think it's just gonna be nice just to be like getting back to normal. Like getting back to like being normal like is is what i'm really really looking forward to i'm excited but i'm more excited that now you get to hear our conversation with all else failed enjoy all right folks this is very exciting we are here now with luke muir pat shannon and steve wagand of all else failed gentlemen welcome to the show thanks keith hey keith it's great to be here thank you thanks Oh man, this is great! Three members of All Else Failed. Can we do like a like an acoustic session? You know, like they do on Howard Stern later. <laughs> we uh, we talked about that, and uh, at the uh, beginning of pandemic, we attempted to do one of those sort of remote videos uh, that all the bands were doing, and it was uh, it didn't come out great. Mostly my fault. Not a complete uh, failure, but that, not. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. I liked it. It, it put a. It, it kept us occupied for a little while as everybody was going crazy for a, a few months there. But yeah, it didn't quite come out as as good as we had hoped. But hopefully, what we, went wrong? Um, just I don't know. It it just. Uh, I tried to essentially record an acoustic track while listening to the actual track of the song we were doing mm-hmm. um, to keep you know some sort of click situation on so everybody would have that for reference and i don't know it truthfully if we put a little more effort into it it probably could have been okay but we just sort of got sidetracked and someone but, played an out-of-tune piano too as much as someone else here we go i don't know who though <laughs> it sounded good to yeah. me what are you gonna have? we're gonna get to the bottom of that well <laughs> gentlemen it's exciting to have you all here today you know there's a vinyl reissue of your classic 2004 album, This Never Happened, coming out, and we're going to talk about that. And Pat, you know, we haven't spoken to you since pre-pandemic, which seems almost unreal at this point. You were on episode three of the podcast, and I feel like my whole entire life has changed about 17 times over since we spoke that day. How about you? Yeah, that that's crazy. I was just thinking that same thing earlier. I was like, man, you know, when you first, when we had first spoken about maybe doing this again, I was like, well, why don't you just talk to Luke? Um, you know, since I've already been on it. And then I was like, man, it's so long since I've been on it. It seems like that almost doesn't even apply anymore because like a week later, everything was crazy. Um, but yeah, I remember going down and like, I took the L I think to meet you in, in Philly and you had that awesome room and we just kicked it for a while and it was beautiful. And then like two weeks later, and it's like, listening back to that now, like I listened to it the other day just to be like, you know, what the hell did we even talk about? And <laughs> I got kind of like bummed out thinking of like, like that Pat was talking about all these cool shows and all this fun stuff that was coming up that obviously never happened. So that was kind of a bummer. Now, Luke, this is your first time to the show. Welcome. 
Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having us. Since this is your first time to the show, let's get to know you a little bit. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Lansdowne, right outside Upper Darby. Uh, I lived there, you know, off and on until I was 30. And then I moved out to California. So uh, born and raised in Delaware County and uh, kind of moved around from uh, place to place after I was 18. But my parents lived there until uh, eight years ago when they moved to Florida. And uh, now, they're, now they're back, but they're in, um, they're in like Downingtown area or Coatesville. Uh, but that's me. I, I've been uh, out in California for the last 14 years. And uh, I'll tell you what, weather-wise, it's it's uh, it's hard to come back sometimes. Uh, it's very hot and muggy out there right now. We were just back visiting, and uh, wow, you forget how bad the muni- uh, humidity can be. Exactly. Like, I, I dream of living in San Francisco or something, because the summer here is just unbearable anymore. I can't take it. It's really hot. And then uh, I also, I got used to... Uh, I got used to the, uh, not having shovel snow and nothing with the cold either. You have to deal with any of like the wildfires or any of that crazy stuff going on out there? No, I mean, you can smell the smoke every once in a while, but we're, if you've ever been to LA, we're right by the airport. Uh, so kind of closer to the beach, kind of away from the mountains. And, uh, so the wildfires, they might mess up traffic more than it's already messed up, but usually it doesn't really affect us that much. Now, Luke, I've I've always been curious. What drove you to move out to California? Well, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, she was she enrolled in a master's program at Pepperdine, and uh, said that she was going to come out here. Uh, I guess with or without me, and um, so. <laughs> So I came with. <laughs> That's a big move. So I'm I'm happy to see that it all worked out. Oh, it all worked out. Now we're married. We got uh, kids, and yeah, it was uh, it was the best move I ever made. That's a beautiful place out there. Pepperdine is like one of the most beautiful universities. It's if anybody's not familiar with it, it's in Malibu. It's like coastal. It's like absolutely gorgeous. Hey, it's unreal. It, it looks like a resort. It doesn't look like a, a like a college. It's it's unbelievable. Hey Luke, how old are your kids? Um, I got two daughters, one's five and one's eight. Do you ever show them the band? So when every once in a while, I've never showed them a live, uh, performance. Every once in a while, when we're in the car, I'll put on what they call daddy loud tunes. And <laughs> as I'm skipping through the daddy loud tunes, uh, every once in a while, I, uh, I might play an Osfeld song and they, they've heard like waterlogged and, um, and uh, departing flights they've heard those songs yeah and they actually participated in the uh our live attempt our live acoustic attempt at a waterlogged with my out-of-tune piano so they, <laughs> they kind of know a little bit about the, the band yeah i'm trying to imagine your two young daughters watching one of your live performances and they would be like <laughs> who is that I, that's not our daddy <laughs> so this is this is really funny is that whenever I go to see All Else Failed, I always tell my girls, like, hey, I'm going to go see a concert. And they're like, oh, what's that like? And uh, I I show them an old video and I made the mistake of going on YouTube and just typing in All Else Failed Live. And it it was the show from Palanca Park. Uh, Chris Penny filled in on drums. 
And it's kind of a running joke in our house is we use that quote from Rambo all the time. Whenever somebody's doing something bad, it's the it's over, Johnny. Yeah. Well, that clip from Palanca Park, you start out and you go, it might be over, Johnny. I think it's all over. It's over, Johnny. And then you proceed to backflip into the crowd. (laughs) My daughters were like, oh, my gosh, that looks scary. I was like, it's the most scary fun you've ever had. That one was a a scary show because I, I think at some point, there was something going on with the electric. And I remember, I don't know if I came unplugged because there were so many kids on stage or something happened. And I remember just getting like uh, an electric shock and being like, well, this is clearly not grounded properly or this is not safe <laughs> at all. What is happening here? But uh, it was definitely that that show was a blast. That one definitely sticks out for us. Yeah. And looking at the video of that, like the the amount of people in Palenka Park is just crazy. It was like filled from front to back. Yeah. And it's kind of funny you bring that show up because that's right at the time frame, you know, in, in the keeping with the theme that we're um, you know talking about reissuing or I shouldn't say reissuing. We're issuing this never happened on vinyl for the first time. Um, that was right around that time frame of us not really knowing what we were doing with the band. And Chris uh, had just done those like half the record with us. And then we were, you know, at the time we were thinking it was going to be our last show and we, we didn't, um, you know, we, we didn't really have any plans after that. And then we decided to record, we had already written, I think like Waterlogged and departing flights and, and some of the other songs uh, that ended up on the record, but we hadn't um, really figured out exactly what we were going to do with it. So it was, that show was fun and it was definitely felt like, you know, as it was advertised as the last all is failed show, it really did feel that way because we didn't, you know, everything was so up in the air, but you know, this never happened. It was sort of right in the middle of all the confusion that sort of surrounded the sessions for this never happened. Yeah. I, I still remember that. I remember being there. I remember it being the last show and you know what? I'm glad it wasn't because uh, we got to see you many more times and a lot of, a lot more great music has come from you guys, which I'm going to get to momentarily. But first, I want to say hello to Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is exciting. So, Steve, give us a little bit about your background. Uh, so, I, I grew up in Collingdale, which is just like a town or two over from Luke and Pat, where they grew up. And uh, we went to different high schools, and we played in like different bands in high school. And then we all ended up working together at U-Haul at one point or another. Or I guess I was with Luke first, but Pat was eventually there as well. And then... Uh, their band had broken up and my band was, you know, just goofballs. So uh, that's how we kind of got together playing. You know, I think Luke was talking about starting a new band and I was like, man, that's going to be really cool. And he was like, I wasn't taking the hint. Like, oh, you want to you want to play with me? That'd be awesome. So, Steve, you know, when I think of like incredible bass players, I think of you both because just of your playing style and how you utilize all these different effects and things. So between All Else Filled and Grave Blankets, just incredible playing style. Did you... How did you start playing? How did you teach yourself? Um, so my grandfather played guitar. So we'd always go over and listen to him playing guitar. And then my my brother played guitar. And then uh, I was like, I don't want to be like my brother. I'm going to play bass. I don't want to play. You know, he's playing guitar. I don't want to do that. So I got my parents bought me a bass. And then uh, I took lessons for like a year, maybe at Lynn Music, which isn't there anymore. It's probably like a smoke shop now, like everything. But it's... Um, <laughs> Uh, I took lessons for like a year, but then the guy was just like teaching me Metallica songs out of a book. And I was a kid, probably like, I'm sure like Pat, you didn't have to ask me to practice. That's all I did was play. That's it. It was played constantly. So um, 
that was how I started. I mean, I had a year of lessons and then just played and played and played and was in a band, you know, like a high school band way before I was good enough. I played actually with Pat, God, ages ago. It might have been when we were freshmen. Yeah, I remember uh, we had our, our buddy Phil Schull, uh, who Steve knew from the neighborhood, but went to the high school I went to. So he was always telling me, and he was like hyping Steve up. He's like, at the time, Steve, can I say your old nickname at the time? Would you be? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> at the time, uh, for for the first maybe five years, I knew Steve. Everybody called him Wiggy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so Phil was like, I know this guy named Wiggy. He's amazing. You got to come over and play with us. And I was just, you know, just like Steve said, just kind of figuring out, kind of teaching myself. And I didn't really listen to too much else than like. I don't know, like the classic rock stations. Yeah, you know, I wasn't really, you know, we didn't really get into punk rock until Luke's older brother, you know, turned us on to it in, you know, when we were like maybe freshmen in high school. So this is like right at that time frame. And uh, I went over and played with Steve and, you know, Steve had maybe been playing a few months and I was probably only playing a year. But in that differential, you're like, hey, I've been playing a year. This guy's only been playing six months. I, I know like these chords and this guy's just making noise or whatever. But we hit it off. We were buds right off the bat, but it was just like, yeah. And Phil was a great drummer too. I was, uh, I don't know whatever happened with Phil, but he was a great dude and good drummer, great drummer. Good look. <laughs> he played for a while after, you know, he played with a couple, couple cool bands. I don't know where he's up to. I mean, it's been, uh, I don't know, at least 20 plus years since I've heard from him, but you know, he went on rocked for a bit, but that, that's very fair to say when we played, I was still like, like, I don't even think I knew how to tune the, the bass, you know, like, I don't even think I knew knew how to do anything but i was just playing so it's just so goofy of me to like to, to to think back that i was like that like i was already that sort of like wanting to be professional being like hmm you know <laughs> i mean it's like but like what the fuck was i up to i was like i i, I almost clearly remember i was wearing like a goofy grateful dead tie tie-dye shirt like I, <laughs> I can see i can see phil shells i can see the living room like clearly and like with little shitty you know crate practice amps and i think uh, maybe if I remember correctly, Steve, I think you could play the beginning of uh, "Got the Time," and uh, there you go. That, and I think that's what we started trying to rock on. And <laughs> I'm sure we got nowhere. So this never happened. We'll be out on vinyl for the very first time. Who's putting it out? Uh, so our buddies. Uh, so our good friend and uh, sort of uh, director. I guess you could almost call him the manager of the band at this point. Mike Barone um, is buddies with. Uh, the folks over at Translation Loss Records and um, and Translation Loss is handling the reissue for us. Um, there's talk we might do some other stuff down the road as far as reissues and, and whatnot, but um, you know it was an obvious choice as far as which record to start with because you know having never been on vinyl and probably being you know if we have a quote unquote lost record maybe it's that one just because of you know the label situations at the time um if there's one that didn't get out to the public as much as we wish it did it, it's probably that one so it was an obvious choice to start with that yeah i agree with you because you know there there's a lot of this never happened in your set and i think this album kind of got lost on me too because i had heard archetype i had heard everything before that i had even heard some of the singles after it but this never happened I just checked earlier. It's not on Spotify, so we want to get that done for sure. Yeah, that, that's that's all in in the works. With with you know, we're we're launching the reissue. The whole the whole deal is is happening this week coming up, which is you know why I'm glad you guys are able to get us on today because uh, yeah, coming this week we're we're announcing the reissue and uh, it's going to go up on all streaming platforms uh, this week. Perfect. And even though Spotify is evil and doesn't pay anybody anything, sadly that's where most people listen to music now. So we got to do what we got to do. 
Yeah, you know, I'm okay with Spotify in that, like, I like the template of at least musicians are getting paid for how people listen to music now. Obviously, it should be way, way, way more money, but at oh, least, yes. the, at least, sort of the template is is in in place as opposed to you know just illegal downloads for the rest of our lives. You know that it's kind of cool that you know streaming platforms are you know definitely the future of how things are going to be done, and and hopefully we just need to get the rates up a little bit. Yeah, a whole lot, a whole lot, a whole lot, because people aren't making anything unless you're Billie Eilish, I guess. Uh, so let's just set the stage a little bit. This never happened. Let's talk about the recording of this record. We're two years out from Archetype. It was just sort of like a rotating lineup kind of situation. So it ended up down to me, Luke and Steve and um, Bobby, Bobby again, and uh, uh, Dave Clank recorded Archetype. Then we toured on Archetype and, and Bobby and Dave left and it ended up back to just me, Luke and Steve again. And uh, that's when we sort of began putting the band together that ended up, you know, being the band for a while and, and being the band on This Never Happened. Let's talk about going in to write and record that record. Now, This Never Happened is interesting because you started toying with some some lighter kind of songs, Waterlogged and Departing Flights. And, you know, it's a it's a departure from the from the heavy technical all else failed sound but it's still it's still all else failed it's still the same vibe it's still pretty heavy you know how how did you decide you were going to start experimenting with different sounds on that record when we wrote that that was the first one where when we wrote everything i played guitar up to that point i always played bass when we were writing sometimes i'd write guitar parts and show it but we wrote that whole thing me and pat and joe playing guitar i played guitar the whole time so i didn't really put bass to it until either recording or till I think Davies might have started to play with us. Yeah, he started to play with us before then. And then I guess I started to write bass parts. But So a lot of that stuff, I had a lot of guitar parts written, and, and it was the kind of thing, you know, could we could we make the middles of heavy songs or could we do this? And then, you know, I don't know. It just ended up working out that we did even have the – we were toying with the idea that those light songs were going to be a new band because we weren't sure if we were going to break up. So the lighter songs, that's why they were recorded two different times. There's two different sessions. All the, what we're calling the lighter songs, the rockier songs, were recorded differently than all the like really heavy songs because we thought, we weren't sure. We didn't know what was going on. I don't, it's hard to remember because we've been in such limbo so many times for me to remember exactly which limbo this was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve, I, I think you're absolutely correct. I think we were, we had written all those heavier songs with Joe. Um, then when it, came time to record if if my memory is correct that was kind of, it was kind of a like a last ditch effort and we had gotten chris penny to record those songs and it was just those i think eight or seven of the heavy songs on the album but after we got done recording some time passed we got back with joe and then we started playing again i think we had either written those songs or trying to be a different band but then decided to record those songs. And I think it was some time after that before we put them all together and made made it into one album. Yeah, there definitely was a, a version floating around um, that was just this, the seven songs we did with Penny. And we were thinking, do we want to do an EP or like, what, what do we want to do with that? And um, <laughs> it's funny, Steve says the, the multiple limbos. And I think I referenced this on the first time I spoke with you guys. I was just like, I don't know what our problem is, but we are just convinced that whatever we're doing is always the last thing we're ever going to do. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what our problem is, but 
And, and looking back on it, it is kind of weird because Luke's absolutely right. We recorded, uh, we wrote a lot of the heavier stuff with Joe. Joe left the band. Uh, we got Chris to just record those tracks and then like played that final show. And we were just going to put it out completely, you know, posthumously. It was going to come out after the band was done. Then we started doing that other band, like the guys mentioned, uh, with another drummer. And when we ran in to record, that guy was, he just, you know, the studio is a, is a not very forgiving medium. So we realized it wasn't going to work out. So we called Joe. And so basically... Joe wrote songs on that record. He didn't play with us and Joe played on songs. He didn't write with us on that record. So <laughs> it, it, it was just, it was kind of a, a weird situation, but you know, in a lot of ways it's kind of cool because it, it, that's what it is. It, it's, you know, kind of the soundtrack of a band falling apart, but still making something awesome while it happens. And it, especially that record, as Steve mentioned, like that record was almost entirely just me and him playing guitar with, with Joe uh, on drums and then when by the time we were sorting out to actually go and record dave was with the band so at that point when we were showing the songs to chris is it all sort of happened at once like steve was showing stuff to dave we were all showing stuff to chris and so really i mean it's kind of amazing it came out as well as it did because and some of the songs weren't even totally done i remember like still working on parts like the night before we were going to go in to record up in uh, Luke and Joe Coyle's house in, in Conshohocken, I think it is, um, you know, still figuring out what the hell we were doing like the day before, which usually we're a, a little more prepared than that. But, you know, these were all just sort of sketches that Steve and I put together on guitar and, and you know, <laughs> the studio time was booked. So here we go. Yeah, you know, that's one of the best and worst feelings. I've, I've been there where a song isn't done and you're like, well, it's time to go to the studio. And then it just all works out, and you're like, whew, that was close. Yeah, some some of that studio magic is great. Like, the, the last piece of music on This Never Happened was totally studio magic. That was just, you know, every time we go in, we tend to just, like, throw everything at the wall, and that was just something that, that Steve had written on guitar. And Steve plays all the guitar on that song. On After all, that's all uh, Steve playing acoustic. He does the Ebo thing. And then I just heard it, and I was like, yeah, we, we could do something with this, and, you know, kind of came up with, like, a, a melody line, and then Luke and I got in the booth together and just made it happen. And like, that's still one of my favorite examples of something that just like came out of nowhere in the studio. From your last visit on the show, Pat, and some of the things you guys are saying now, it just seems like there was a lot of trouble to work through. People leaving the band, new people coming into the band. Did you ever just think like, why, why, why can't everything just work out all the time? Yeah, I still think that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I mean, well, Luke, Steve, and I, you know, we were never the types of guys to want it to be that way, but it really came became apparent at a point in the band that the band was the three of us. You know, we were always the guys just, you know, writing everything and sort of taking it in a direction. We were never the type of guys to, you know, intentionally want to marginalize other members, but it just sort of worked out that way that, you know, it was, you know, sort of our show. But even amongst us, amongst the three of us, you know, there's a lot of times when we're just not on the same page. I mean, life is long, man. Everybody goes through, you know, different changes and, and different attitudes as far as, you know, how much they want to go for it, so to speak, or, you know, where they're at in their personal life, you know, with relationships and everything or work or, or whatever. So, yeah, it, it was it's always been a thing with us, you know, but, you know, I love those guys so much. It, it doesn't matter. You know, I know we're always going to find our way back to to doing all's failed in, in some capacity, which is why, you know, look, 
looking back, it was probably silly for us to think we were going to ever fully break up. But it, you know, when you do something so passionately for so long and you can't continue to do it at that level, you feel like it has to die. And now in the internet age and, you know, being able to record bicoastally and just do stuff, there's really no reason to, to not push forward as much as, as we can or as much as we want to. But even that being said, we're not even always on the same page. So it's just, it's just life, you know, it's nothing that, that, um, you know, it is, we, we, you know, back in the day, I remember clearly like when, when we were just like living and eating and breathing the band, like when we were like 24, 25, 26, whatever, like if I felt that I wasn't on the same page with one of those guys, like I couldn't get to sleep at night. You know what I mean? It would sicken me to be like, what's going to happen with the band? What are we doing? Like, what's going to, like, what's the next move? What's going on? And now it's just like, you know, with anything, you get older and you get a little more wisdom about things. It's just like, Hey man, it's just, it's just a ride we were on. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, not everybody's on the same page. And that sort of led to what, what happened with this never happened. You know, we were sort of hearing that, you know, Luke was thinking about moving and, that was like down the road, but we knew it was coming. We could never get on like tours to the level that we thought we should be on. Um, so we were sort of half in. It's like, are we going to do this full time or are we not? Like, and you know, eventually it was just like, no, we're not going to be able to, to to keep doing it in the way we were. Um, which is a shame. I mean, if we held out another couple of years, who knows? But it, it's you know, we had already held out many years at that point anyway. So it's you know, pointless to look at it that way. That makes sense. Luke, was it hard to leave? I mean, you're leaving behind pretty much everything you know to t- for this chance in California. Keith, it was really hard. And it's still, uh, so I was just back for a visit last week. Man, it's it's really, really tough. Uh, 3,000 miles is, uh, is a really, really long distance away. So my parents, my sisters, my extended family, uh, and, you know, my band family and all my friends are all back in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so it's been 14 years of only seeing them sporadically and it's really, really hard. And, uh, you know, the, the more I get home, the more homesick I get. So it, it was very tough, but, uh, I love it out here too. And, you know, my family's out here as well. So, uh, no regrets, but yeah, it's, it is, uh, it is a hard thing. Yeah. Cause, I feel that because I'm I'm in New York City and Philly's like I don't know uh, an hour away, two hours away, whatever. Right. And you know, during on holidays and stuff, if I'm home, I'm like, oh man, I bet everyone's hanging out, or you know, my family's down there. So if I feel that in New York, you have to feel ten times worse being all the way across the country in California. Yeah, it's really tough, but uh, it uh, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I really. Uh, um, maybe we have stronger relationships now because I made the move. Who knows? Who knows what I wouldn't change a thing. Cause who knows what would have happened with the band or with anybody if, uh, we had, I had stuck around, you know, I'm happy that, uh, we moved out here and, uh, I'm, you know, we made the decisions that we made, but yeah, I, I miss it. I miss everybody. And I miss the opportunity to just get together with these guys and play. They're still playing together. And I've told them many times, like, Man, I miss uh, just being in a band and goofing around and doing things. You know, another benefit, probably the greatest benefit of you moving, is that we got Departing Flights, the ultimate All Else Failed ballad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how directly that was. I I guess I'll let Luke speak to the lyrics on that one. I don't know how directly related to that 
to his move that was, but certainly uh, certainly fits the bill, I guess. In all sincerity, uh, we moved in 2007. Lisa got accepted in, I think, 2006. So that was a couple of years before this never happened. A couple of years after. Yeah, a couple of years after. Like most of the lyrics, uh, Pat will say, like, have this song written by noon tomorrow, and then I've got to, like, <laughs> sit down and get something done. <laughs> I remember, uh, I forget what what uh guy I was talking to, but he, you know, was a singer in another band. And he was like, yeah, I got this book of lyrics that I can like choose from. And I'm always writing down my thoughts. And I thought like, golly, I'm, I'm way behind. I, <laughs> I, I don't have any thoughts until I'm told like, Hey, you better have something done. This we're ready to record. And then I'll, I'll scribble some something down. And sometimes it comes out good. And sometimes it doesn't. I'd say, would you say we're half and half for lyric writing, Pat? Pat writes yeah, I, a bunch I would, of the songs, and I write some others, too. I would say uh, you're, you're probably a little more than half, but, yeah, it's probably like 60-40. Um, and it wasn't always like that, but I think at some point I just ran out of things to say. And uh, Pat, <laughs> Pat's a lot more, as you could see from this interview, Pat's a lot more eloquent than I am. So he's, uh, <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about all that. but He usually has uh, more, you know. I, I think, you know, Luke, I've always interpreted it as Luke uh, being kind of hard on himself and also being a bit of a perfectionist to want to be make sure that he's not coming with anything that sounds phoned in, uh, which I love because when something does hit the table, it's rad every single time. Um, and if that means it's a little less quantity and I have to jump in sometimes with some of my ideas, I'm always more than happy to do that. So it, it worked out, you know, toward the end there. Thank you for saying that, Pat and Steve. Are you listening still? I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm really do the lyrics. I don't want to phone anything in. That's a, I'm getting to it. Give me, <laughs> give me, give me I see everyone out there singing along, and I'm like, I don't even know what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Lisa uh, was singing along to uh, one of the songs, and it was completely, uh, um, it was completely off. <laughs> and then I wondered, like, I wonder how many other people that probably just they could just look at the words at this point that like lyrics are all on the are all on the Internet or you could just open the thing. But I wonder how many other people think that that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, think, uh, funny. I think Luke's uh, initial joke there was that there's uh, there is one uh, remaining All Failed song that is out there and, and uh, still looking to get completed. And we've been waiting on on uh Luke's stroke of lyrical genius to return to him uh, for a few years now, but yeah, no, no hurry or anything. A few years. So Luke, you're, you're telling us that you're keeping this song from us for years now. It's been close to <laughs> truth. It's been close to five years. Well, I don't know. When did you write it, Steve? I'm working on it. <laughs> Give me an opportunity. <laughs> Steve and I figured it out the other night. It, it is at least, I think, five years. <laughs> it's Listen, at least five years. It, there are played, big things coming. It was better than done when we played, uh, before we played that Ortlieb show. Wow. <laughs> that Ortlieb show, I don't know. I don't even know how long ago that was. Yeah, that, that was, was 2017. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah. Steve, yeah. are you are you? Are, I promise I will get it done. It's all right. <laughs> this is good. This is like a nice group therapy session. So, yeah. is this one of the things you guys talked about where you're like not on the same page? Like Luke isn't finishing the song in five years. But no, that's that's like it's actually a great example of that. In that you know, it's nothing that we're angry about. We're, we're still buds, and we'll always be you know Pat super. Isn't angry. You know, 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't speak for Steve on that. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, but just, working on it, I promise. Yeah. But I mean, and, and the thing is, uh, that's exactly the thing is that, you know, Luke's headspace isn't really in a creative spot right now. And, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like Steve and I do hold down the ocean. We do some other stuff. Um, you know, we're always sort of invited to help each other out. So Steve and I always will have like this musical relationship. We're always going to be doing something. And I guess maybe Luke sort of feels removed from that being out in LA and it's, it's hard for him just to turn it on and turn it off and, and, and such. So, you know, I'm understanding of it. So it's, it's, you know, again, it's one of the things that we don't, uh, you know, we don't get fired up. You know, you can be like, come on, man, but it's not like a, a fired up thing. Like maybe, you know, I, I, think i even said it to you on the last time like there was a point where we took the band too seriously you know like any minor infraction would just drive us insane against each other and that's you know not a good way to to live with your brothers you know what i mean it's it's not a great um thing to take something so seriously and like i said i'm sure i was the guy pissing those guys off and it's just how um you know we, we almost took it too seriously we almost needed to graduate to this plane of existence in the band where it's like not the be all end all of our existence, but we can still do things and still be productive. Yeah. You know, as you get older and a lot of bands, I have versions of this conversation with like, as you get older, it's not everything or nothing. Like, like if Luke can't get to the song right now, it's not like, Oh, well he's out of the band. We're going to find somebody new. It's like, no, Keith, don't give them any ideas. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, we're older. We're friends. We're going to get to it when we get to it. And Luke, having a family, I got a little taste of that last year because I was in a relationship with a woman who had a child. I didn't have time to do anything. Like, you know, my friends wanted to start a band. I was like, I I can't. Like, I I just don't have time. Like, I mean, I imagine that with two children and a wife, a lot of your time is taken up. Uh, I'm I'm someone that likes to keep busy and... uh... That's no excuse. I am working on the song, I promise. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm going to send it to you so you can use some of it in this thing. I'll send you the song. Maybe we can uh, push Luke to do it. Oh, you know, I would love a sneak preview. That's exciting. No more than than 20 seconds worth, though, please. Uh, I I have an idea. I'll write the lyrics. (laughs) I'll slide them to you, Luke, and you, you just take the credit. Keith, we've already done. we've already gone that route. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, leave Luke alone. All right, all right, all right. All right, Steve, thank you. <laughs> all right for, for the so next I, hour of this discussion, we're going to dive into the song and why it's not done. Yeah. All right, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I've always I, I've always been, um, you know, it, it takes me a while to uh, to come up with an idea for a song, and then it takes a while to to get something on paper that I can be, uh, that sounds, uh, you know, cool or what I'm trying to say or that I can be proud of. And I, the song is awesome. And I don't want to, I don't want to just throw something together. Like Pat said, at the same time, you know, I, I don't want to, it's a weird time, you know, it's a weird time in my life. Uh, what, what I used to think about when I used to be upset about or get inspired by or, or something for song lyrics. Like I said, I was never someone that had a book of lyrics. It was, uh, it was more out of necessity. If I want to be in a band or if I want to be on this, uh, this song, then I better put something together. And I guess, uh, I I don't want to, I don't want to half-ass it. I want it to be good, but I also don't want something I'm, I'm noticing now 
But, you know, the songs that you write when you're 19, they, they don't necessarily reflect where you are right now. And not that that's a bad thing or a good thing, but, uh, you know, I wrote some songs that uh, at that time we were, uh, I don't know, that when I started the band, uh, we were listening to, you know, a lot of music. And I thought, hey, let's be, uh, let's be this, like, super intense, super dark, super scary. This is what I, this is what I think the band should be. And I, I was writing lyrics to try and match that. And uh, I don't I don't really feel that way anymore, obviously. So I, I don't want to just throw something together. And that's but that's always been the that's always been the problem. This has been, you know, the issues that we're having at uh, at forty five. We were having when we were nineteen. Pat and Steve would write something awesome, and then I would be the kind of the the weak link trying to trying to play catch up. Stop it. But but Luke always drove me crazy because then he would come up with like Route One, which is like the greatest lyrics and the greatest song ever written, and like that's uh, an entirely Luke and Steve show. That music's all Steve, lyrics are all Luke, and that's just like just obviously like probably the song we're we're most known for. But that's like that complete marriage of like the tone of the lyrics perfectly fit the tone of the song, and just everything is so perfect. So it's it's like man, you know, just. Steve and I are of the opinion is like just get in that headspace, get just but you can't force somebody to get there to to where they were when they wrote something that great, you know what I mean? It, it's tough to you know recreate that that sort of you, you can't snap your fingers and get in that headspace, you know. I and think, I even think I even think Route One was uh, was written out of necessity. It was, but uh, sometimes it works out that way. Sometimes you have like a little life moment that uh, that hits you in a certain way, but that's also the time that Pat's like, Hey, we need to f- finish this song. Sometimes it works out. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. Real quick. <laughs> if I can, I got two things I want to say. I want to ask Luke a question and something about route one. I just remember, cause it popped in my head when you said route one, I remember I, I didn't have a license then. And I think I was waiting for my dad, maybe to drive me to pr- band practice, or maybe I was taking the trolley and we were right in the middle of writing route one. And I remember on my mom's acoustic, I wrote that, that middle that like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, my mom's acoustic. I remember I was like so excited to get up there. And it was so cool when you had those excitement back then. Cause you showed up and showed it. And like, everybody was like, yeah, like everyone was into it. You didn't have to like convince anybody. It was like really super cool. I just remember that moment really, for some reason, that's like one of the few guitar parts I can remember exactly when I wrote it. But uh, to go back to Luke, if I can, I don't know. Luke had, had said this to me before and I don't know if he wants to talk about it, but is there some songs, Luke, you don't want to, do anymore because of the lyrics you had mentioned a, a song to me i don't know if you want to say it or not but yeah so uh so there's uh like i said i, I you know back when i was 19 and uh you were just writing songs to write songs and there was there was no repercussions if you uh if you wrote something stupid and then uh, you know we didn't worry about what was going to happen later on but i wrote uh, if you've ever listened to the lyrics about, uh, say, Gut or Travis, it was when I was 19, you know, you don't really think things through about what the lyrics actually mean. And I always write it. You would write the lyrics to try and, I don't know, this was the way I I thought a song shouldn't be completely obvious. It shouldn't, there should be some interpretation so that everyone can make it, you know, their own. And, um, and that's the way I, I love listening to the lyrics and uh, of other bands and and thinking like, ooh, I wonder what that means. That could mean anything. And I put my own life spin on whatever thing they were going through. 
And that's what I tried to do with our songs. But there's uh, like a gut. I, I don't know. When did we write that? That was one of the first songs we ever wrote was gut. And uh, the refrain is I want to die. And it's uh, I'm talking about like, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of a I told you so mom and dad uh, moment. And uh, I wrote that when I was 19, when I had no idea what suicide could be really about. A couple of years later, my cousin killed himself. Uh, my best friend, uh, Chris Bates, who Pat and I were friends with, he ended up uh, getting into heroin and killing himself. E- even then, it wasn't until being a uh, dad and having, you know, two kids now and thinking about what that could be like. And a coworker of mine, um, his son, who was 16 at the time, took his own life. And I thought, like, oh, Jesus Christ. I can't believe at one time I was uh, running around like a, like an idiot with lyrics like this, not condoning suicide. Never, you know, uh, who knows what you're thinking when you're 19 and you're young and dumb and being a goofball and putting songs together with your buddies. But uh, now at 45 with two kids and having seen a, uh, a, a true friend go through this with his kid. It, it, not like a, sounding like an old, you know, man, but like uh, you had mentioned earlier, Keith, like being a parent definitely puts things in a different perspective. And I'm sure you could agree with this, Steve. Uh, some of the lyrics that that I used to yell about, like, I don't know if I could yell that about that anymore. We wrote Travis uh, like uh, uh, two years before, uh, or maybe three years before Columbine. Who really knew what that could uh, could mean? You know, no one knew what active shooters or not like I was idolizing or or uh, fantasizing or anything. But I thought like, hey, what's what's the scariest thing out there? And we would uh, we would write lyrics about that. And, who, you know, who could have ever predicted that it's every other day that there's a, a, a mass shooting or, uh, you know, someone doing something completely unthinkable and completely heinous. And so, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think that's what I was telling you about Steve before is there are, there are some songs that, that I don't want to, I don't know. I know that's probably silly and there's probably some kids out there that will listen and think like, dude, what a, that's pretty lame. But that's, I don't know. That's how I feel now. And that's why I don't want to just scratch down some words on paper, record it, and then later Pat or Steve or, or somebody else is like, uh, uh, God, that was terrible. I can't believe Luke was singing that or yelling that. I, I don't want people to I don't want people to feel that. Well, I think that's good insight. And personally, you know, I don't think you should be singing about the same thing now that you were when you were nineteen. I don't think the same way at all that I did when I was 19. I, I was like miserable when I was 19 and I don't know, I was kind of crazy and I guess that's what it's like when you're a teenager. But no, I would like to think I've grown a lot and that uh, I would have more responsible things to say or think about what my words mean more. And it certainly sounds like you're doing that, Luke. Yeah. Well, thanks for understanding, Keith. And, uh, you know, that's so that's why, Steve, uh, when you're wondering... Give me two more months. And I said, write it about like that horrible bunion, you know, but just yeah. write it vague enough. Nobody knows that it's about a bunion. <laughs> I already wrote that. That was uh that was the one song off that um 
<laughs> what was that? Uh, the Bunyan song. Don't ruin was, it. Uh, don't ruin uh, it. Uh, yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, don't ruin it. But uh, th- does this mean we don't have to play gut anymore? Uh, guts, guts out. And I remember. Done. I used oh. to push for gut too. But, yeah, that uh, was your jam, that. man. It's different for us too. We're, you know, we're not up there screaming it. You know, I'm That's just true. Very waka true. waka Very on the strings, and you know, he's uh, he's got to yell those words. So I, I, I remember when you said that. I didn't give you any static. I thought, no, yeah, I don't. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm all about moving forward. Yeah, that that stuff. I mean, it exists, uh, and I guess that's the thing that you know. Speaking about like Spotify and stuff like that, everything feels new. It feels like everything's getting discovered, and you know, kids are discovering all failed for the first time, and you know, maybe hearing that older stuff and thinking that's, you know, exactly who we are now. And, um, and especially a band, you know, as all over the places we were, you know, truly from, from the beginning to the end, it sounds like two different bands because it basically was, but yeah, I I certainly get that from Luke's perspective that, you know, it, it sucks to be sort of, sort of pigeonholed or, or beholden to, to old stuff that, that really doesn't represent us anymore. I think I might be the most excited uh, out of the band to have this never happened on uh, Spotify or just any of the streaming services uh, anytime. So I'm extremely, unbelievably proud of the band. And uh, uh, so anytime I, I talk about the band to, uh, to uh, guys at work or guys out here that clearly would have no interest in it, uh, in music like that, um, I try and explain like, yeah, this is, this is what it's like. And they'll uh, put on Spotify and like blindfold comes on and I'm like, well, that's not really that accurate of a representation of us, but <laughs> you know, what, what am I going to do? That's yeah. what's on there. And, and that, that's just speaks to how different things are. Like all, we did a, a record so, uh, again. So a little bit after the time frame you were talking about Keith, where we played with Chris Penny at the Palanca park show and, and wrapped the band up. And that was when we were sort of, um, you know, trying to decide where we were going to go. Uh, we ended up getting back together uh, and we, we got a, a new lineup. Well, a new drummer that we, we were going to tour off of this never happened. Uh, we got our guy, Jimmy Rhodes and, uh, and we kept the band going for maybe another year. Uh, in that time frame, we did uh, a few new songs but we put it all together on a CD compilation, like because you know CDs were the shit at the time. It was like I don't know, I, I still I still buy CDs, but regardless, um, it was uh, we decided to just unload all of our old stuff, like anything that never came out or anything that was hard to find. Any you know, we were gonna all put it out on this one record, and that included like to to the very end of that, we did some like like our very very first demos, like the first two or three songs we ever wrote. And they weren't great to say the least. And, uh, but now they're on that CD and that CD's on streaming services. And just like Luke said, like it, it, it you know, the algorithm puts some of our worst songs into people's feet. So it's, it's a bummer, you know, in retrospect, had we know known what was going to happen even a few years later, we wouldn't have even put that stuff on the CD. I'm sure. I, I'm really, I, I love those first three songs, but uh, you know, it was, I don't know. I thought it would be uh, most things. Uh, I'm just trying to get a laugh out of people. And I thought that it would be fun for someone to hear uh, our really old tunes. Yeah. But man, uh, that's not the only th- song I wanted them to hear. And, uh, <laughs> 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 and I, like, uh, we had uh, some, we had some friends over uh, a couple nights ago. And as a gag, he put on, I guess it was Spotify or Pandora, you know, or something. I forget what song it was, but it was one of the old ones off uh, good enough. And man, it's, 
It's hard, some of them are hard to listen to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we actually literally sort of did that just not as a joke, but just like more so for like our friends and fans. Like, yeah, you know, if you bought the CD, you're a fan. So here's some of our like, yeah. And again, it, they weren't intentionally funny. They're just we just weren't very good. We were just getting it together and just figuring out our sound and, and what was going on. The recordings were pretty terrible. So it was um, it wasn't a, a gag. It was more of like just a, a, a funny like I guess treat or whatever for our fans that that we're going to pick that cd up we certainly didn't realize that it was going to be you know <laughs> so so easily accessible by the rest of the world that's the one that is accessible oh man yeah. that's in a time when everyone was doing it though bloodlet had that uh record i forget what it's yeah, called eclectic, eclectic yeah converge has caring and killing does anyone listen past track three on that i know i don't yeah but I mean, yeah come on. yeah it, it it was just you know it was the thing to do at the time it's just we we uh you know it, Things changed enough in a few years that we were like, ooh, kind of wish we held on to those ones. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, those first three tracks, boy, uh, folks, I'm talking about the uh, compilation album, Good Enough for the Girls We Roll With. It's on Spotify and everywhere else. Check it out. Man, those first three songs are some of my favorite. We talked to, to Jimmy Rhodes about those songs, too. I'm happy to see 173 back in the set. That's that might be my favorite All Else Failed song. Just the sheer intensity makes me lose my mind, even just thinking about it. Yeah, that that was awesome. That, that was one um, Jimmy and I, I think, mostly came up. Like, Jimmy was very instrumental in that. Like, just he had that whole idea for the, the middle, like, the, the like off-timey middle thing and, and sort of, like, rearranging the riff to do that whole part. And um, that was awesome. I, I look back at that song fondly as, like, a moment in time where, you know, Jimmy, who, who we love to death, but just joined the band, you know, he, he basically joined the sinking ship. And I, I feel we, we kind of warned him about that. We kind of told him that, you know, hey, you know, we've been through it and, and I don't know how much longer we're going to be through it. So, you know, proceed with caution. And um, and, you know, he he was a guy that he was just such an enthusiastic dude, such a great drummer. And we got to a point where we were just we were sounding so good. And, uh, you know, it. it I look back at that as the, the, the apex of, of the, that, that lineup was like, that was when things were going well with that lineup, you know, so well that, you know, it, it really revived us. It, it got us out on the road again. We, we did tour to support this never happened. Uh, and that was like the, the song that came out of, of playing with Jimmy. The other two songs are really cool too, but it, it was primarily, you know, one seven three was like the last gasp of like, this is what we can do. And uh, you know, unfortunately not too long after that, we, we packed it in for, for when I say for good, you know, for the next five years or four years or whatever it was. Yeah. I'm super proud of once and general anesthetic was awesome too. Yeah. General anesthetic, those, both yeah, really both good those song. songs came out great. The other ones are, they're all, there's good parts on all of them, but yeah, general anesthetic and, and one seven three are definitely the, the highlights of that little piece. And then the, the earlier stuff on good enough, like the, the, you know, tracks, whatever, four through 10 or so are pretty good, but then, then it starts getting, <laughs> then we break out the weird. And <laughs> it's not so then it gets down to the, the real avant-garde stuff, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a polite way to put it. Yeah. We'll, we'll just say we were avant-garde. So Luke, I've never encountered a front man who's, so terrifying live but also like so nice when you just speak to him as a human being you almost have like a a childlike innocence you're just so nice when you talk to you and then you get you on stage and you're you're just a crazy person well um i try hard to be childish Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no i I appreciate it thank you It, it you know i'm extremely proud of our I always thought, uh, 
let's not half-ass it when we're playing live. I want it to be it's so that idea of being like the most intense and scary that we could be. I, I still feel that way for for the live shows. Now it it's a little harder now. Uh, that that I feel pretty. I think we all feel a lot more beat up than we used to, but uh, I still, every time we play, I want to, I want to be just as intense and, uh, and powerful as we could possibly be and not uh, leave anything on the table. And uh, I can honestly say I have half-assed it at a couple shows. And those are some of my biggest regrets is that somebody, somebody went out and saw us once and, saw me phone it in it's unbelievably embarrassing to even think that uh that there are shows out there that you know i I, that somebody paid to come see us and uh, i i didn't you know and i wasn't that into are you talking about denver (laughs) yeah denver 100 percent denver (laughs) what happened in denver uh uh, it it was we were in a really tough situation yeah but uh, (laughs) i I said, I should rise above it. <laughs> we had to have a, I mean, it was, we were all in a tough situation. You had an intervention, I think. I think we had to. Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, this was actually pre, this never happened. This was on the, uh, uh, touring after the- archetype. Yeah. We were on the Dillinger tour. Uh, Dillinger had jet to go open for system of a down in Europe. And, uh, there were still like 10 dates of shows or so to do. Um, so, like each venue did it their own way. Like some venues canceled the show outright. Um, some venues, we darkest hours also on the tour. Some uh, darkest hour booked a couple shows real quick to replace certain shows. But a few of the venues just went forward with the show. Just darkest hour became the headliner and we were direct support and that was it. And um, so, you know, obviously, you know, darkest hour is huge now, but they were still coming up at the time. So, you know, they clearly neither of us were as big as Dillinger. And um, I think it was in Denver uh, that the, show was still at the original venue and which was just this massive venue. And there maybe was like 15 or 30 kids there. And when, you know, we're one week removed from playing, you know, sold out show after sold out show opening for Dillinger and and doing really well. We, you know, we had some personal issues on that tour as well with, with some of the lineup, but we, we got through it, but like we were just fried mentally. I think it was our first really long tour. We were down to a four piece at this point and then Dillinger left and we were, sort of limping home with darkest hour and uh in denver uh, luke uh, you can take over Ex- explain your mindset in denver <laughs> uh so i was on a on a high from these uh basically playing the biggest shows that we've ever played to going back to uh the normal Ausfield show of uh being you know this was back it's, it's funny when you put things in perspective we were still only, I don't know, five or six years in, but we were on, we were playing these massive shows with Dillinger. And then we went back to playing like a, this very big, in my mind, it was an arena with like 10 people in it. It was big. It was big. For and, sure. uh, yeah. and you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, I definitely acted like a, uh, like a jerk off, but my only memory of it is you didn't take your jacket off. Yeah. We, I, I mean, Remember, it was uh, like February. It was cold out, but and we were in Denver. But uh, we played, and I, I clearly, I think I just stood there. I think I just stood. There. I don't even think. I think I stood there at the mic stand, and uh, and sang the songs 
without taking the mic off the mic stand and without taking my, like my jacket off. We tried to get a little excitement for the show. If you guys remember, we didn't play Waterlogged and we practiced Waterlogged backstage. And oh yeah, that's and right. That's probably that the first song. time we ever. That's probably the first time we. Oh, definitely we, the first time we, we ever played like, Waterlogged. You know, boost it up a little bit. And I could be wrong on this, but I, in my memory, we only played four songs. A hundred percent, Steve. I was just about we're, to say we're done. No, no, no. It wouldn't have been Waterlogged. It would have been in time. No, no, no it was, it was, Luke. It was, was definitely Waterlogged. It was Waterlogged. Waterlogged yeah. didn't. I it, thought that was a song that we didn't write till later. We had no. We had just written it with Joe, probably right before we left for tour, yeah. and and Steve and I, or one of us, somebody had the idea to be like, "Hey, let's you know, show's not looking great. Um, let let's try something different. Let let's do." Yep. And I'm 100 percent with Steve. I think we played four songs. Waterlogged was like the last one, and it was just like, "All right, let, let's get the fuck off stage." So, uh, yeah, that yeah. was a rough one, man. <laughs> I love the idea of an all's failed show with Luke just at the mic stand, like not even taking the mic off, like rock star <laughs> shit. <laughs> to go hey, positive, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really embarrassed about no, it. No, don't be embarrassed because the positive is this. If you do something like that in life and you don't learn from it, then it's a negative. But that next night or two nights, whatever it was, we played in Kansas City, Missouri, and it was the best show I could argue at that point in time we had ever played. We played like the animals we are, as good as we are, as tight as we were. And it didn't matter. I don't even remember how many people were there. But I remember a handful of kids in the front just pulling their hair. And this was in a city that we never were going crazy. So if you make a mistake and learn from it, it's that, that's that's the idea. So I don't remember. I, I'm joking around that they had an intervention. But uh, seriously, I, re- I do remember after the show, probably like right after we played, um, and remember, we had just like the the tour was already the tour was the best and worst of it, right? It was the uh, all the the great amazing things that be, can, that can happen with a band, and also all the disappointment that can come with it as well. Like uh, we had uh, kicked a guitarist out halfway through the tour. The the main band that was drawing all the people on the tour split, and now we're back to playing essentially basement shows only they're in a really big <laughs> yeah. a really big venue it's <laughs> yeah, a good and way to put it <laughs> I, I don't know I, like uh, uh, that's no excuse to uh to, to be a wuss but uh pat and steve <laughs> definitely said like dude don't ever do that don't ever embarrass like us like that again or you know it was it was something along those lines i, I forget exactly what you said to me but i i i really mean this whatever it was um, I definitely took to heart because I I hope you guys can agree that after that show, I don't think I've ever half-assed it again. There's times that I've got more energy than others. I'm, you know, I'm only as God made me. <laughs> just as God made me. <laughs> I'm just as God made me. But, but uh, I, I'm never phoned, you know, that was. No, never again. Maybe yeah, I had phoned it in a couple times before that, but never again. I, I just remember my thought process was, uh, you know, I, I was mostly like disappointed. I don't want to say disappointed in Luke because that sounds like a parent or whatever. And it wasn't that, but it was like, I was like, man, like this dude is like the realest dude. And like, so like the antithesis of wanting to be like rock star mentality. He's the dude I've seen. He'll talk to any kid after any show for as long as the kid wants to talk and, and just does everything the right way. And is like the most vocal about not wanting to be like carry himself as a rock star. And I just remember looking up at, 
on the stage and he had his jacket on. I was like, he looks like fucking Liam Gallagher right now. That's my new look. I was, I was going for a new thing. <laughs> like this whole attitude is like such rock star bullshit that isn't Luke. And it like, it just bummed me out. I was just like, Luke, that's like, that's like so not who we are. Like we, we, we're, we want to be the dudes that like when shit goes real bad, we swing back harder. You know what I mean? Like that's like, kind of how I, I viewed it. And I was just like, disappointed that we couldn't find it that night. It's a learning experience. And Luke, you can't be everything all the time. You know, you have bad days too. Life is uh, filled with, uh, you know, extreme highs. And then uh, every once in a while you get a judo chop to the nuts. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I apologize for uh, letting that one get to me. And I, yeah. sorry that you guys said, sorry to all the Kansas dudes who and ladies i guess uh who paid to come see us or no, no, where Ken- was it denver denver yeah denver <laughs> i owe you i swear i owe you ten dollars uh to each of to all ten that's only a hundred bucks yeah. i only have to sell out a hundred dollars <laughs> to make that to make them all happy hey uh keith when you post this when when this drops and you make the instagram post for it can you uh ask if uh anybody was at that denver show is listening to this right now we'll make sure we luke gets them their money back Hey, you got to produce a ticket too. I'm not just saying you can't just say that shit. You better have a ticket or or some or a or a memory. What was the color of my jacket? And you get the money back. Was did Steve, was this pre-Steve being bald or did he have hair? Yes. Did Steve have hair? Wow, I don't even remember that and, one. Let me and think what about color that. Was, what color was Steve's hair? I think that was uh I'm going to go Steve with hair. Yeah, that was with I think Steve with Steve with hair. After that tour is when I came home and I shaved my head. Was it hard, Steve? No. I went out on top like like athletes should. I, I was like, man, I still got some really good coverage, but it's going to end. So <laughs> I <started> shaving it. <laughs> it's beautiful in a way because you made the choice. You know, you're not like clinging to some scraps. You're like, this is it. I'm taking this into my own destiny here. Now I am with that super dad bod and, and uh, my bald head because uh, I'm just lazy now. How do you guys now the live show is intense and I really love that Luke is like out in the crowd with us throughout the whole thing. It's very interactive. I love that because it's the only band left that I really go crazy and sing along for just because, you know, I'm older now and I don't know, most bands don't drive me to that point. But how do you guys prep for a show like Luke? How do, what do you do to to make sure that you're going to be able to get through the whole set and that you're ready? Because, I mean, you got to really be on this. There's a lot of energy that goes into this thing. I guess just to backtrack a little, as seriously as I had taken the band and as, as much as I always, I, uh, I had always said that the band means everything to me. Some of the big, I know we're, uh, I keep talking about regrets, but some of the, some of the biggest regrets I had is that I never took a singing lesson until as we were recording, this never happened. Uh, my buddy Joe's sister uh, was a, a vocal coach. And I took some vocal lessons, some singing lessons for this never happened. But before then, I had never really learned, uh, like, officially how to sing or how to preserve your voice. And so I would lose it at every single show. So when we would, if we would play more than one show in a row, uh, it was it was no good. And but back then, every every show we ever played the mic would go out or there'd be some PA issues. So, you know, my voice didn't really matter anyway. And uh, now uh, I've, so now I've, I've gotten a couple uh, tips from other people, getting a mic 
in the band. Mike is a professional who actually knows how to sing. He's uh, between the lessons I took back when we were recording This Never Happened and uh, meeting with Mike, who who actually knows what he's doing. Like there is like some warm up. And uh, weirdly enough, you can actually preserve your voice and not lose it two songs in. So I'll I'll do some warm ups. We were and when, uh, two years ago and we were doing prepping for Europe. It's hard now. I, I'm totally removed from music, and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, hey, shout for an hour. I'll uh, I started practicing. Just a, a a buddy of a buddy has a practice space out here, so I would pay him to go and yell. I, I'd just play the CD through the PA and scream along in the mic and just warm up. Uh, so I did that for a couple months. So I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to start doing that to prepare. Uh, I lost, you know, I lost a little bit of weight. So, uh, uh, cardio wise, I should be able to keep up, but it's usually, if you, if you've seen us live, then, you know, the first song we play is the most intense. And after that, I'm, I'm completely out of gas. (laughs) Nah, but you know th- that's why rules play in venues like uh, Kung Fu Necktie that are super tight and small because the, the crowd just keeps it all moving for us. You know, <laughs> we we can come out gunning, uh, just like Luke said. Track one's gonna be gonna be smoking, but after that, it's a uh, it's a shame. It, you know, it's just what getting old is. You know, the energy you have as a twenty five year old, you can go the whole set, but t- you know, at forty five, it's a uh, definitely that first rush feels as great as ever, but then right after that, it's a, it's a little harder, but you know, usually the crowd is there, especially if it's a hometown show, the crowd's there to pick us up. Throughout the band, the the vision that I had was always to, we would, we wouldn't even, if it was up to me, we wouldn't even introduce ourselves. It would come out to some sample or something. And then it would be song, 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 song. There would be no break in the, in the, in between songs. It would be just, 20 minutes or 25 minutes of, uh, you know, uh, bonkers and then, and then done. But, uh, on paper, that's a lot easier than it is. Uh, you know, halfway through the first song, I'm like, Oh shit, we better, break. really long sample. Steve better have a really long sample after this one. I hurt my shoulder getting out of bed today, you know? Like it's, yeah. uh, dude, it, it's hard. <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> well, I feel it out in the crowd too because you know, first song I'm like, yes, let's go, and then at the end I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go stand in the back for the next one. Now we we appreciate all you know everybody that comes out, especially at the hometown stuff, and keeps it moving because uh, you know I still feel like we bring it. I still feel like we're a great band to see live, and you know, looking forward to getting out there again. Yeah, you know, uh, we have some things booked at the end of September that uh, we're really excited about, and hopefully you know, into 2022, we can finally get back to the West coast. I feel bad for Luke flying East all of these years. We have to get out there and and do some shows over there. So Luke, would all of your friends and family and out West come see you? And would you be nervous about that? My work friends uh, probably wouldn't uh, appreciate it or understand it, but I know they would support it. I I don't know what that support would look like, but it would, uh, it would be interesting to uh, mix the two. I, f- I don't feel like, you know, I, every time I I get I go back I'm not saying I'm a, like a uh, I'm living two lives, but I really do have the best of both worlds. I can do this. I can do uh my own thing uh out here and then go back east and, you know, 
be as goofy as I want to be. And um, it will it would be interesting to see how the the uh, <laughs> my two worlds collide. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, I think it would be awesome too. I, you know, and, um, uh, I I really have some really really good friends out here that I I, I always I, nothing makes me more proud than having somebody that whether they're into it or not, most of the guys out here are like are, are into country music and stuff that I, I'm just, uh, I'm just at a different, you know, just we're uh, different people. But uh, if you, uh, nothing makes me more proud than to say, yeah, uh, like I was in a band before and they're like, Oh yeah, what kind? And I'm like, well, just uh, put it in YouTube and then to watch the opening two minutes of the Planka park video. They don't need to see any more than that. But <laughs> you, you mentioned the Planka Park video. Like, there's nothing that makes me more proud than to someone see that and like, holy shit, that's you? I can't believe it. And then uh, they don't need to see any more or hear any more. That's, that's it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good intro. I think we played pretty well that whole show, though. But, <laughs> but yeah, that intro sums it all up. That's, uh, yeah. And, and, like, Keith, like you mentioned, it was like, at that time, Palanca Park was was definitely the shit. There was tons of shows there, but man, like that one was packed. That was a huge, huge event. And um, Lamb of God might have something to do with that. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I think there may have been. Yeah. I think American was an Amer- American Nightmare was on it too, no, right? I, I think that was a different one. So Bob did a Bob Meadows did a bunch of those uh, fests. I think American Nightmare was a different one, uh, but yeah, that one was definitely that was like an all day or and. You know, all day shows are, are usually not the greatest idea, but that one just worked out great. There was just tons of great bands, and um, plus we were all young. I could go to an all day show. Now you tell me all day show. Now I'm like, uh, no, yeah, Sorry, I can't do it. Yeah, like two bands, maybe three. <laughs> yeah, a good show. like exactly. all day show one, might yeah. be my worst. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. Well, I'm going to Furnace Fest, so that's going to be like an all day three days. So I'm going to have to. I don't know, drink some Red Bull or something. You should come to some of the shows we're doing. We're, we're not playing Furnace Fest, but we're playing shows on the way to Furnace Fest in a truly uh, all else failed Spinal Tap kind of uh, correlation there. We're, we're not on <laughs> Furnace Fest itself, but we're playing the intro shows uh, on uh, opening for Voice That's Fire uh, on the way down. So if you haven't seen that, you should try to dip in one of those shows. And we're say opening what's up. for the opening. <laughs> oh, well, second support. Okay, all right. <laughs> Well, let's well, t- let's talk about that. You, uh, yeah, you got some shows coming up with Boy Sets Fire and Be Well. Let's talk about what's coming up. Yeah, so Boy Sets Fire, those dudes are just awesome. Uh, we played with them obviously forever, like hundred years ago, but really didn't become super tight with them until probably the last five or six years. And uh, you know, so, since we sort of rebooted the band, I guess two thousand eleven, maybe ten years now. Um, I think a few years into our reboot, we did like a weekend with them. And then they changed some things uh, in their lineup and ended up with a, a good friend of mine from Westchester is, is in the band now. And um, so, yeah, we just we love those guys. We bro down hard. We travel well together and uh, they're kind enough to invite us on on as much as they can. And uh, that included taking us to Europe. Like the last thing we did before pandemic was go to Europe with those guys. And the first thing we're doing after pandemic is going down the East Coast with them. So uh, we couldn't be more happy about that and more thankful to them. And how about those shows in Europe? Man, I, I was following that on Instagram. Those crowds were just unbelievable. Those shows must have been incredible to play. 
Yeah, Boy Sets Fire is huge in Europe. I mean, I, I know like like they are the, the the classic. It's like, oh, they're big in Europe. It's like, no man, Boy Sets Fire is big in Europe. They're like <laughs> like that was like a, a a taste of of uh, you know, wow, this is this is the treatment. Of course, you know, we, we were yeah, you know, they had the bus and the driver and everything. We had to drive overnight because like, stuff like that, but. I mean, they, they could not have been nicer to us. They could not have been cooler. We we would come in midday, and they would already be, you know, have eaten and done everything. And they, like, it's, like they would basically just be waiting around for us to show up, and then you know, start hanging and partying and stuff. So it's just so much fun. Just the whole experience was magical. It really was, truly the the highlight of uh, uh, being in a band and doing those things was that Europe tour. The those dudes couldn't have been cooler. The shows. Couldn't have been cool. Everything about it was was just uh, something that we'll remember. I'll remember for the rest of my life. It was amazing. Yeah, and you know, I think that's like when you're younger in a band, it has to be. It's like it's all or nothing, and you're pushing and you're pushing, and everything is going into this band, and you know, you just you just want it to be to be everything. But I think as we get older, you realize I don't know. You get involved in different things in life, and you can focus more on friendships instead of pushing this band to be something, whatever it is you want to be, and you do it when you can do it. And I'm glad that you guys stuck together and still play when you can, because, I don't know, I feel like now things are evened out and you're getting more of the recognition that I think you deserve. You're getting to go on these good tours, you're still releasing music, uh, you know, you're playing This Is Hardcore pretty regularly, and I'm I'm happy to see things... I'm happy to see more good things happening because I know you went through so much as a band when you were younger. As you're saying that, it just occurred to me, uh, today is our 26-year anniversary. Oh, no. shit. So that's yeah. the anniversary, guys. Yeah, wow. Ju- uh, July 4th, 1995, yeah. we, we had our first band practice. Uh, me, Pat, Steve, and um, good catch. Uh, that a couple good other guys. Uh, July wow. 4th, 1995, in pa- at Pat's uh, mom's, mom and dad's yeah. house. Yeah, that's uh, so, crazy. You remember, I usually remember that every year and make some sort of post about it, that July 4th is our anniversary, and I completely forgot about it this year until Luke just said it. It's been a, it's been a uh, definitely a roller coaster, but that uh, Europe tour was some of the best of it, and not for nothing, but just every time I go home and, uh, and we play a show and people s- still seem into it, I mean, uh, how, how much... How much more could you ask for? It's we've we've had a really 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 fun time, and uh, uh, just uh, one of the things that I could be most proud of in life, besides the obvious of uh, of uh, my my kids and uh, my wife and everything, is uh, the the band and the goofiness that that came with it. And uh, so, happy anniversary, dudes! Yeah, good call, Luke. Yeah, and Keith, exactly what Luke just said. I mean, we had that conversation, I think, in Europe was that, you know, for so long we looked back at the band as like, oh, you know, we could have done this, we could have done this. But then now we're at the stage where we can look back at it and be like, hey, you know, if we did push harder for another year, maybe we just would have completely imploded and, and hated each other. And, and now we wouldn't be having the opportunity to do what we're doing right now. You know what I mean? So the band almost like forced us to, to be, to have more like self-realization and be like, to, it sort of forced us to live in the moment more. It's like, no man, like this is it. This is what we wanted to do 
back then and we're getting to enjoy it now maybe a little bit on a smaller scale but it doesn't matter it's the 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 fact is that if we had had if things had gone differently we wouldn't be here one way somehow or another we might not be here but we are here so let's just enjoy what we have together wouldn't change a thing damn straight that's a beautiful thing how about you steve how do you look back on it all and into the future uh i'm i'm with the guys i don't i don't regret any of it it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out Everything went the way it was supposed to go. We we're super lucky to get to do this now. We're super lucky that people still come to see us. And, uh, you know, even in, in, in Europe, Europe was a dream for me. I mean, I, I something I dreamed to get to do and never thought I'd get to do it. Just like that chapter was just closed. It's like, ah, well, it didn't happen, you know. But uh, the fact that Boyce and Fire took us, like I'll always be eternally grateful. It didn't matter how much I thanked him. I think I made it weird with him because I don't really know him as well as Pat does, but like to them, I'm not saying they, they, you know, they, I'm sure they appreciate it. I mean, they're like enormous over there, but like, I never thought I'd get to do that. So, uh, it really meant a lot to me and the band, the band in general, the fact that you see young kids and you see someone older than you show up to a show still singing and screaming along on like a Wednesday. It's like, it's like, it's awesome. You know? So I super appreciative of it. I, I love the band. I love what we did. I don't really have regrets. Yeah, maybe this could have worked out, that could have worked out. But like Pat said, it all worked out the right way that we're all still friends. The three of us that started it are still super great friends. And all the other family tree of members, we're all still friends with virtually all of them. I think there might be one guy maybe, but for the most yeah. part. For the most part. <laughs> to that one guy, I apologize again for everything that I did. Was that the guy who got uh, kicked out in New Orleans? Yeah. and listen, no. I, don't know that, I don't know how his life went. For all I know, he's a, an amazing human being. Because after that day, I've never talked. I think he did okay, actually. He's doing good. Yeah. I, I honestly, you, you know, you take the good with the bad, man. Like, we're... Uh, the three of us are, are really uh, strong individual, you know, have strong individual wills. We're, we're, you know, very focused guys. We're very, you know, I think we can be very intense guys at times, very competitive guys at times. But the, the point is, you know, we were young when we had some of the, you know, the other guys in the bands that things didn't work out with, but those guys were young too. And, you know, we were all just trying to figure it out together and, um, you know, I have no ill will to anybody that was ever in the band. Um, you know, yeah, we're all, all mature adults. We hope everybody is doing okay. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, uh, all right, so folks, let's recap. We've got This Never Happened coming out on vinyl for the first time, and it will be announced by the time this goes up. So we need you to go and pre-order it and purchase it when it comes out. This is a classic record. Translation loss, um, I believe uh, they're probably easy to find on any um, social media platform uh, translation losses, putting it out. And um, yeah. And we should also, by the time this goes live, hopefully if everything goes right, all of these, uh, that record will be on all of the streaming services as well. So if you've never heard it before, definitely check it out. Yes. I'd be the first to announce and uh, promote new all else failed music coming 2026. <laughs> 2026. We'll be dropping a new song. Yes. <laughs> well, if we're going to go that far, this too, Luke. Uh, oh, Tunis 2035. And there was that one jam. There's that one jam that I've had for years that we've still never done anything with. I think Keith even that one's played. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. That, <laughs> that one didn't make the cut. <laughs> no, no, no. That one has to happen. So I can play that guitar lead. I can Keith be like a, a feature. 
Get me lyrics on my desk by noon tomorrow. And you know. <laughs> no problem. Done. Awesome. And Keith, thanks for having us, man. Thanks for uh, uh, always coming out to the shows, always uh, hanging out with us, man. And uh, thank you so much for letting us do this and uh, hype this thing up. Happy to. You know, you, you guys are one of my favorite bands, and I consider you all friends, too. So I just want to thank you for everything you do. Oh, thanks, Keith. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Thanks, no Tommy. Thanks to you, too. Never a problem. I, I just I I don't know you guys super well. I just come out to the show. <laughs> well, we we appreciate that too, man. That that's you know that's we we wouldn't be here. Uh, one of the things Sonny was talking to us about doing a, one of the live streams that that he was setting up all through pandemic, and I was like, I just can't imagine doing like playing and trying to have the intensity of a show without the fans there, you know, without the, the, the kids just screaming along with us. It's like, I'm gonna keep my, keep my jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what you're going to end up with. <laughs> well, I exactly. mean, I'm with you. It is true. But in Europe, it is not like, I think we went, I think we did what we do. And there was a no. lot of, uh, not a lot of people knew who we were. <laughs> this is true. I didn't this want another true. intervention. I, <laughs> <laughs> There you have it, folks. All Else Failed. One of my all-time favorite bands. Probably my favorite live band, as we already mentioned. And that was a, that was a lot of good conversation. We got uh, the lowdown on This Never Happened. We potentially pushed along uh, those song, new songs getting <laughs> finished. I felt like we got some, some band stuff out in the open, some good conversations happening between the boys. And it's just... Uh, I, don't, I, I just think it's really cool, man, because they were one of the first hardcore bands I got into, and I ended up playing in a band with Pat, and I've just been to their shows over the years, so I don't know, for us to be talking with them the way we did now on this podcast, and to somehow discover in the middle of the conversation that it was the 26-year anniversary of the band is incredible we've we've been having some real crazy synergy lately with dates yeah something's going on with that i love it though i love that that stuff comes up and it just comes up like naturally and we just hit it and we're like oh shit that's that's this like yeah I, my other thing is who has their first band practice on july 4th <laughs> that's a, it's fourth of july let's start a band all right <laughs> i was thinking about that because uh one of their drummers, Paul, who was also the drummer of Crash of Sixty Four, his birthday is on July fourth. So I don't, I don't think he was in the band in the very beginning, though. Refresh my memory. Paul's the one with the the. He had a big beard for a while, right? Yes, he yes. still does. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So who schedules band practice on July? That had to have been Pat. That sounds like a Pat move. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, what's funny? I have that upstairs, uh, Crash of '64. I found my one of my old iPods, and yeah. Crash of '64 is on there. There's still some bangers on that EP, I think. Uh, I like the first song a lot. Uh, yes, it is. There's, no, I don't have any names on them. It just says track one, track two, track three. That song is called Day Day Month Month Year 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 Year. year, year. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out, folks. It's on Spotify. Oh, you know what? I'm going to add it to the playlist. How about that? There you go. Yeah. We, we talked about it. Yeah. So what I'm referencing, folks, is our Spotify playlist. It is uh, on Spotify, obviously. Search it out. Northeast Scene 2021. We put all of our guests. We put all of our bands. We put all of that stuff. And I want to take a moment to 
talk about the passing of Brian St. Pierre, drummer of Hum. Now, sadly, another very tragic loss. Hum is one of, if not my all-time favorite band, and the guy is just, when I think of my ideal drummer in a band, I think of Brian. I think of his style. The guy hits hard as hell. He's he's all over the place, and he's just, oh my God. He's like, I guess he's my favorite drummer, I would say. He's it. L- go, listen to, I'll add it to the playlist too. Listen to, listen to Ironclad Lou and Isle of the Cheetah. And holy shit, your mind will be blown. I was just listening to Inlet, the uh, most recent Hum album yesterday. Just, oh my God, in, incredible. Such a good band. Such a major, major, major loss. Our condolences to the friends and family of Brian. Yeah, it's and it's so unexpected. 52 years old, you know, like, it's devastating. I can't believe, yeah, I just, yeah. They say bad things happen in threes. We lost Stu from Bane. Mark Hoppus has cancer. And now we lost Brian. So hopefully that's it. I don't want any more bad news. I can't take it. I didn't look that up yet. What is Mark Hoppus? What kind of cancer does he have? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Because that can be the difference between like, you know, he's got like a melanoma on his shoulder as opposed to like, he's got like colorectal cancer. No, man, he's in chemo treatments. He posted a picture of himself and he has no hair. That's so shit. That's awful. Yeah. I feel really bad for the guy. uh, But in in brighter news, well, shit, I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Let's talk about some show business. One thing we have neglected to mention, supporters of the Northeast Scene podcast are called members. You know why? Because when we first started doing this podcast, we realized that we say member instead of remember. So you're a member when you say you are. All you got to do is say it and you are a official supporter of the podcast. Post an Instagram story and say, I am a member of the Northeast Scene. Do it, man. Join the club. All you got to do is say it and you're in. Remember that time? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that I like enunciate things a lot more when I'm doing this now, but that's a good thing. <laughs> I was going to say all positive uh, feedback or positive improvements in terms of our speaking abilities, because <laughs> we, we definitely have isolated some certain things that were like, oh, shit, did you realize you said that? Or I, I start sentences a lot with, Here's the thing, and I've been trying to be more conscientious about not saying that when I start a sentence. I used to do that one, too. I don't know. I, do you ever go back and listen to old episodes, like really old ones, and be like, oh. No. Me either. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't go back and listen to anything. <laughs> I, I, I guess I do a little bit sometimes, but I'm like, oh, we're definitely improving. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's been it's been an upward it's been an upward trajectory the entire time. We're doing well with that. Yeah, and some more show business. Follow our playlist, the Northeast Scene Twenty Twenty One. We add all the music that we talk about in this show, like random songs that we like, the guests, um, just other random stuff that I like or that Tommy likes. It's all in the playlist in one convenient spot. Find it on Spotify, the Northeast Scene Twenty Twenty One. So you can hear what we're up to, what we're listening to, who the guests are. And of course, uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Please like the videos. Please comment on the videos if you feel compelled to and you like them. If you're listening to this, you probably follow us on Instagram and Twitter. 
at the NE scene. Do it, man. Do it. And of course, we always want reviews. Apple podcast reviews are the gold stuff, baby. Give us five stars because I can't handle any less than that. And uh, write a review. We'll read it on the air, you know? And you can always reach us at uh, northeastscene at gmail.com too. People send me flyers and sometimes different stories and anecdotes and stuff. And if we feel it matches the vibe of the show, we will share it with you, the audience, on the show. And listen, we really uh, we really appreciate everybody who writes to us and listens to us and all this stuff. I mean, come on. Like, that's that's the best part. Wait, we have a vibe? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's basically just what I feel like doing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because I, a, I, I gatekeep all this stuff. It's, a, it's at Keith's whim. So you <laughs> say something polite about Keith in the message, compliment him, and your shit will get on, I guarantee you. Well... It would help. <laughs> I keep thinking of uh, Keith and I were having a conversation about like we haven't seen each other in so long. And yeah. he was like, my beard's gotten longer. And I was like, get out. And he's like, my hair's gotten longer. And I'm like, all I keep thinking of is, uh, do you remember when Joaquin Phoenix did that like weird, like I'm going to be a rapper thing? And he grew yeah. that really, that's what I keep thinking you look like. I, I mean, I kind of do. Okay. Not it's not that wild. I have to keep it somewhat together for for work and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I don't look anything like that uh, promo picture that we have now. The the one that's uh, in the YouTube videos. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I'm wearing the sunglasses. Yeah, that's uh, the old days. I always think of uh, <laughs> that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns gets crazy about germs and stops cutting his hair and growing a beard. It's the spruce moose. <laughs> <laughs> I said hop in <laughs> that's the level i'm trying to get on is show up at my front door with kleenex instead of uh like kleenex boxes instead of fucking sneakers on <laughs> like just wear <laughs> just wear just wearing like a hospital gown good times well you know that's it we're gonna be back next week because we're always here bigger shows longer shows three hour shows tommy are you ready for that oh no no, I'm just making that okay, up. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to be here every week for you, delivering the goods. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time.